0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. I am Take, as always, and I'm joined by my friend here, John Henderson of The Bourbon Finder. We have a packed episode for you here today, so we won't dilly-dally. We are surrounded by elk, for lack of a better phrase. There are elk everywhere, left, right, uh, in front of me, and behind me. But before we get going, how are you doing, John?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, We are most certainly surrounded by elk, as you mentioned. Uh, more to that, I guess, in just a little bit, but you know, well, I mean, you know that I've already got these things poured out and that I'm ready to get into them, <laughs> but, uh, I'm excited about the change in weather that we've been having lately. It's finally seeming like winter here in the great hinterland. So it's like really good to kind of, uh, look outside and see snow coming down randomly where it's not forecasted and see the temperatures well below freezing and hopefully get my ice rink back repaired up and going good for a weekend skate oh
0: okay so you've gotten winter as well it has been snowing here for the last seven days which was kind of weird because it didn't add up for the first five it was kind of tantalizing and then over the weekend we just got fucking uh, dumped on you know we've been talking about whiskeys like oh this would be great when it snows and oh this would be great when it's winter and oh this would be great when it's cold but it hasn't been any of those things until this week and now it's nine degrees and there's probably nine inches of snow on the ground and it seems like we're not alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> You got snow too? Yeah, over the last, oh, I don't know, maybe week to 10 days, we've got about two feet of snow. But if you mix in the additional couple inches of like slush and sleet and even a little dash of rain in there. And a couple days, it like randomly jumped up to like 42 degrees. Kind of melted everything just enough to refreeze it into like white concrete. So yeah, we get like just a, a shit, shit mess out there right now. That should, hopefully, with the cold weather coming in this week, just totally dry out, freeze up, and get good. Uh, I think we're talking like, I'm going off memory here, and I'm not good at numbers, but I think we're talking like 15 below for most of the rest of the week. Nice cold, firm up the rink, get out there, resurface it, and just have a killer skating party. Uh, Maybe have some elk out on the rink. You never know what happens. Yeah, I mean, for me,
0: I would say that's old-fashioned weather, but for you, it sounds like bourbon and ice is back. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, uh, negative 15. That does sound, I finally, for those of you who know me out there, which I think is pretty few, but I finally put on pants a week
1: ago. Ooh, My, I, I understand the, 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 <laughs> the uh, gravity. Massive, yes, I understand the massive implications of that.
0: Yeah. I'm, I've always been a shorts guy, but yeah, once we get to 10 and and more importantly, closer to zero, I think it's really just it's a self-preservation at that point. I'm I'm a pants guy. But I mean, I don't have a rink here. It sounds pretty good. I, I fought with my snowblower for a couple of hours yesterday. How's the rink shaping up? Are you... Did, did the warm like totally toast that thing? Or are you good to go pretty soon?
1: It's been toasted and untoasted numerous times. Like we are really just in trying times <laughs> in the ice world here. We were skating before Christmas, like two weeks before Christmas. We had a full sheet out there. And we had a few families over like having skating parties and everything. And it was truly bourbon on ice. And that was great and fun. And we had a lot of good evenings and afternoons with it. And then we got like a couple of like odd Christmas time rainstorms. Right. uh, Actually knocked out power for uh, most of the area around us coming into (laughs) Christmas. It was Christmas Eve as I was cooking with like every light in the house on every burner on the stove going and my generator finally turned off cause power came back and I was like, Oh, well that's convenient. It's good, it's good <laughs> to get back into things the right way. But anyway, yeah, the, uh, the rink is good. We've got plenty of ice on it. It's just also got a mix of snow and sleet and everything frozen on top of it. So I need to get the stone blower out, clean that thing off and then resurface it a bunch of times, which obviously I couldn't do while it was 42 degrees out cause snow blower on soft ice equals gross. So
0: Equals not much rink left. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> equals not a good spot to skate. I'm, I'm super
0: curious before we get into the whiskey. I've seen this on social media a lot. I've seen it on like TikTok and Instagram. How do you resurface the ice? Because I've seen folks who like kind of jerry rig their own Zambonis and stuff. And I always yes. think, you know, I went to a school in upstate New York, like our sport was hockey. And so I've seen the Zamboni go around just as many times as the hockey players themselves. But how do you resurface a home rink? Do you have your own Zamboni or do you just kind of out there with like a wet mop and a handle a dance and just like crushing it out?
1: So we've kind of got a combination of all of the above. We, uh, in the daycare dad group local to us here, there are a few engineers. So we have a very high-tech redneck solution. <laughs> it involves bringing multiple five-gallon pails of screaming hot bath water down to the rink and we fill them into like the uh the tote style system that we've got that drags basically a towel behind it
0: okay and okay. so yeah uh,
1: we have like a team of two or three that will go out and run the shovels ahead of time we've got like this like the super wide uh like rink shovels and then somebody goes behind it skating with the zamboni rig for lack of a better term. Okay. And then we run through that process, sometimes it'll probably take a good three times to get this thing resurfaced now because there's just been so much trusty right. precipitation on there, but it's it isn't pretty, but it does work very good,
0: oh man, that's so cool. How many last question i'm I'm just totally transfixed by this because I've only skated in arenas, you know, or like professional. Like how many, do you guys have a lot of kids out there at once or is it just like kind of one or two or is it like dad's league? Oh
1: no, we'll get out there with a few families at a time. I mean, anywhere from six to eight kids, 10 kids, maybe a few parents, like whichever parents want to go and skate. It's a decent sized rink. I mean, put it this way, at the town rink, which is at the school in town, that rink is half the size of ours. So like we've got a pretty good sized spot out back.
0: Oh damn! Okay, cool. Because in my mind, I was wondering if you know, you guys, once it's all serviced up, looked like the Mighty Ducks, or if it was like USA versus Russia in the eighties, yeah, where really like, like theme music,
1: <laughs> like in between the Mighty Ducks at the end of the first movie and at the beginning. Okay, so like the uh <laughs> the District Five uh <laughs> scrub lord team where Bombay drives his limousine out onto the ice. To like the having like home ice with like real banners. We're like somewhere in the middle.
0: Okay. I like liked you said between the end and the beginning and not the beginning and the end. I yes. think that's very insightful.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, I love it. It's so cool uh, living vicariously through you here in Wisconsin. We just drink old fashions and eat cheese and uh, some more cheese and have some brandy on the side and a couple of beers. So, two true beers. But, I think that, you know, if we're going to lend credence to the name bourbon on ice, we should get into the whiskey here and true to the name of the episode. It is truly an elk hunt. I have two old elks in front of me. I think you have at least one. Uh, what do you say? Should we get drinking?
1: We should. I'm already drinking, actually. I've got three elks here to go through. So we should have like a, a holiday Sweet. five pack Jesus. of elks to talk about.
0: Yeah. Remember that. W- I, I'm. I mean, okay. You're older than I am, so I I can't say things like, uh, "Was this around when you were around?" But like, <laughs> when uh, was it Budweiser that did the five pack ads? When it was like, you should buy a six pack of beer, but have one for yourself before you go. And so it was like, let's make five packs cool.
1: Geez, I don't remember that, but I I wish I did. It seems like a thing I would do is buy a six pack, and I, actually I do that to my barber half the time. If I show up to the barbershop shop with a six pack. It's usually because I was sitting on the porch before he got there drinking one, and then he showed up late, and I was just like, oh, hey, man, uh, by the way, I brought beer, but there's one of them disappeared. I don't know what happened.
0: One of them broke in the car. Yeah, Yeah. one
1: broke the second I got back into my car and took the top off it. Well, good to know. Old Elk, if you're looking
0: for a new marketing campaign, we don't have to uh, uh, acknowledge the fact that I think, I I really think it was Budweiser, but I don't know, did this before us, but we have a a five-pack of Elks here, which I think is enough to call it a herd, a herd. I have the four-grain here in the double wheat, which are late 2022 limited editions. And you've got a couple of new, new spring elks over there, some finished stuff. If I'm
1: not I mistaken, I do. I've got the finished series here. So this is the cognac cask finish, the port cask finish, and then a and those are both bourbons, by the way. Okay. And then I've got a rum cask finished rye. So I'm pretty excited about this. I think they just list it as a straight bourbon. They don't tell us which recipe is of theirs but i think it's safe yeah. to assume that it's the uh your standard straight bourbon release that has just been finished
0: notably i have the four grain straight bourbon and the double wheat straight wheat which uh or sorry straight whiskey which makes sense because if it's a uh, wheat 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 then uh it's probably not gonna be bourbon so i believe it's a blend of their two wheated mash bills but we'll uh go it's ahead a lot of and get wheat. tasting and yeah, that's uh, that's really like up in the Wheaties territory.
1: I was like, really hoping that we would get a Wheaties pun tonight. Oh, I I mean, you didn't I, disappoint.
0: <laughs> yeah, further, you would know if this was scripted because John and I would stop saying things like, oh God, I'd hope you'd say that. but <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> let's see, you got three. So why don't we go ahead and start with you while I get sipping on this four grain.
1: All right, so I'll dig in first to the cognac cast finish. So this is clocking in at 109.7 proof. And this is, again, the straight bourbon whiskey finished in cognac barrels. It's got actually a pretty good nose to it, pretty bright. And as I kind of swirl this in the glass, my first impressions of it are that the finishing is pretty mild. So I'm sort of teleported to the Blood Oath Packed. I believe it was six was the cognac cask finish. And in my mind, I'm trying to think how does this stand in my memory to that? And I feel like the finishing here is a little bit lighter, just on the nose anyway, as I go into it. And it pulls out some pretty good nose. You do get a little bit of those like nice kind of grapey leather vibes that are cool. I like that about it so far. And I'm going to dig in and see what it's like here. I have nosed through all of these, but I've also been tasting them a little bit because, you know, i like to get ahead of the game yeah why not yeah i feel like god, i was just gonna say i feel like on the nose this one is the most tame
0: tame tame is a good way to describe it um for folks who have been a fan of john and i's other project weekly whiskey we did have greg metzi uh, who's a master distiller of old elk on a probably about a year ago or so i I yeah. hesitate to say like 6 months because I think time flies it's definitely been a year but one of the interesting aspects of their whiskey is that it was distilled at MGP in Indiana by Greg Metzi and it was bottled at Old Elk in Cal- or, uh, in Colorado also by Greg Metzi so he's seen it on both sides and he's been the you know the master stiller for them and he really loves that heavy uh you know that heavy barley mash bill which is kind of expensive stuff so I'm curious how the uh, the Konya casks are impacting there.
1: Yeah, it's got a very cool kind of rounded vibe to it. It's not super punchy on the finish, so it doesn't really stand out. Like, think about how I want to articulate this. As a first impression, I kind of would have expected it to either be like leaning straight into the finish or to have like maybe not finished quite enough. And I feel like they split the difference on that so well that it almost makes it a little bit difficult to kind of like, it's very rounded and it's kind of like, I'm not getting a ton of direction one way or the other on this. And it's almost like not boring because it's not really the right word, but it's almost kind of like, yeah, it's finished, but the finish doesn't speak to me in like a lot of volume. And the base product here, I think is probably a more run of the mill bourbon from their selections which is kind of like a, a little bit of a shame. I wonder maybe if they had used something that was a little bit more on the premium side, if this would have probably jumped up in price quite a bit really fast. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm in the middle on it right now. I'm going to keep digging into this a little bit. If you want to, uh, I don't know, think about unicorns, maybe if uh, it was an old unicorn brand or something, I, some something like that.
0: If we're like trying to spice up the L here, yeah, I have the four grain in front of me as well. That's... Uh, clearly going to be corn, wheat, rye, and malted barley. Overall, it, it it's kind of interesting because this is kind of like the Master Blender Select. These are their premium products. This one really does drink to me pretty mild on the palate, like pretty on the young side, which surprises me because one of the things that I love most notably about the Old Elk straight bourbon is that high malted barley really seems to kick up the complexity. It seems to bring out some of the extra oak. It brings out a lot of flavor you know, I, it, it, it's like a lot of honey, a lot of floral, and then it's kind of gone. And, and, you know, for one of their more expensive releases lately, this is no infinity barrel, so it's not the kind of top of the crop. But when I move over to the double wheat, I'm like very reassured, like, okay, this is kind of what I was hoping. So it's it's kind of interesting for me. Cognac hasn't quite landed for you. The four grain, despite being, I'm looking at the label here, 52.95% alcohol it drinks more like it's 90 proof which is kind of uh surprising for me usually things drink a little overproof rather than under but yeah the, the four grain i think is okay but sniffing the double wheat i know that this is kind of this is home for me in the old
1: Elk territory this is where it's going to start to spice up
0: this is where i'm like okay you know four grain not for me and we have this happen all the time right like brand us a bunch of stuff we try a couple things we're like eh, this one's not for me but like once you get a whiff of that other bottling it's like oh jeepers like this one in double wheat you know i kind of if you enjoy four grain cool awesome but i just had a sniff of the double wheat and like this is very much in my wheelhouse and i know that you said it already and i immediately forgot but what other two finishes do you have in front of you
1: i've got the podcast finish and a rye that is finished in rum
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, I've seen a lot of uh, rye finished and rum single barrels, but I haven't seen any port yet.
1: Yeah, so the port just on the nose kind of really jumped out at me. Like, okay, that is definitely wine finished. That could either go one way or the other, but like it definitely jumped right out. So whereas I think the cognac on the nose was fairly calm. I mean, I got some of those nice cognac notes. Um, It kind of like, I think maybe, and this is just me, What might be making this less exciting to me is I feel like the cognac used is probably really young and it has like just a different overall nose to it. It has a different vibe on the palate. It's a little bit more rambunctious and like there's almost like this kick of youth on it that I think takes away from the bourbon a little bit, which is kind of like it's rare for that to happen me anyway like with a, a finished bourbon to like come out and be like oh geez i kind of wish they had used like a funkier barrel almost you know because i do like that like finbois style like the really like earthy foxy punchy kind of uh cognac and stuff so like it wouldn't have hurt my feelings if that were a little bit funkier i think
0: yeah i and i feel like too one of the big values of using a cognac cask is that it imparts a lot of those old kind of dusty flavors no right. matter how old the whiskey and so like if you use like a 20 30 40 50 year old cognac cask you get those big tobacco and like raisin bread and like lightly sulfured and like very heavily tannic and kind of you know just big spice bread notes and if you use something like a hind cask or you know any of these younger gravasiers and stuff like that you're, you're kind of fighting young whiskey with young cognac and i don't know that that's a winning combination.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not bad. There's like nothing wrong that it. it's not flawed. Uh, it doesn't turn me away at all. I just find it to be like not as interesting as I thought it could have been on paper. I mean,
0: if we took that 1945 Gros <sighs> and and married some elk with it, I bet we'd <sighs> have
1: a different story. Yeah, I bet I would have bought as many bottles of that as I could.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and and that's kind of an interesting battle. Like all cognacs, not the not you know, is not made the same. Just like not all whiskey is made the same, but. Right. Uh, you said that port cask was was popping out. Do you have any uh, notes there?
1: Yeah, let me give this thing a swirl here. I I've, haven't really sipped into this one yet. I did hit the uh, nose on all these, but yeah, it does. It jumps right out of the glass. It's got really good, like just rich red jammy fruits going on, mixing in with that oak in a really good way. The nose instantly pops out. There's even like this little kind of cool, not quite banana bread, but like white fruit kind of sitting in the background that's also interesting on this one that i, I kind of dig where this is going just on the nose alone so hopefully this one it's got a pretty good color choice. so this i would say uh some pretty good time in the podcast
0: and what uh i i missed this probably because i didn't ask so that's i mean what's the abv of the finished line
1: 54.05 so just over 108 proof
0: okay okay that's uh that's just, totally respectable that's a really nice range i tend to like that 50 to 55 for a lot of stuff
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good spot to be, especially with something finished, too. Like, sometimes, and, like, there's obviously exceptions to this, like, Seagrass uh, 16. Like, and some of these that are screaming high-proof can still be, like, a nuclear face-melting flavor bomb. (laughs) Whereas I don't expect that from this. I mean, there's almost zero ethanol on the nose at all here. This is just, like, rich caramel. I mean, good layers of funky oak, a lot of nice fruit. So I'm going to dig into this a little bit and get, uh, I don't know, a little bit excited, I think.
0: Okay. And I have to I have to give old out credit. I don't know what it is about their process, but I have to say that every barrel I've had from them has drank under proof. You know, we've had some single barrels up near 60%. Those have always been really mild mannered, but complex, enjoyable. It, this is one of those brands, you know, it it's unlike something like a knob creek single barrel reserve where you're like, yeah, it's amazing flavor. Uh, but you're going to put up with some punishing ethanol, and you're just going to have to like deal with it. Like that's how the deal comes. You get yep. the flavor, but you also get the ethanol. Old Elk for me isn't that way. They're super complex, really enjoyable. They have a lot of dense flavor despite having kind of middling ABV, and I never noticed it being like punchy or ethanol driven or spirity. And even you know, sipping this double wheat, which we'll get to in a minute. Like I know it's like this is high proof uh, by all accounts, but it's it's so easy to drink. And I wonder if there's like you know, all of Colorado is just kind of like, oh man, just like going nuts on Old Elk because the stuff is just so delicious and easy to drink and it doesn't knock you out in a lot of ways like some of the macro brands do.
1: Colorado, I feel like, would totally fuck with me because (laughs) (laughs) weather-wise, this is a place where it's like, it could be like 78 degrees out and then the next day you're just like, bam, four feet of snow, motherfucker. Have fun shoveling for 73 hours straight. Like Their weather is so crazy. Right, exactly. So it's not like you know, like for me, I'm like, oh, good. Like you could smell the change of season. Like as August starts progressing into September and you get like that air changes and you can instantly kind of feel like it's almost getting into rye season. And then as the end of grouse season kind of comes about and we're getting into December, it's like, oh, you know, we're getting into like midwinter night strand. We're getting into like finished whiskey season. Like, give me those, like, dovetail notes. Give me something that's, like, rich and jammy and spicy. But, like, in Colorado, it's just like, hell, yeah, well, shit. It was like we were grilling burgers yesterday. Now, like, we're going to find a fucking plow truck to get ourselves out of the driveway. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like they, it's a good thing that Old Elk has got a wide range of stuff because you're going to need it for that calendar out there. Anyway, back to the original point here. (laughs) <laughs> I have tasted through some of the podcasts and it's good. It's definitely got a much more visible finish. okay. And, and by that, I mean, it looks a lot darker, but also, I mean, this thing speaks in volumes that the cognac didn't. So this is something that if you are like straight up, I do not like red wine or I do not like port, You may find yourself shopping in a different aisle because okay. this is there, but it's not sweet. It's not coin. There's nothing in there that like would have otherwise been a little bit dodgy to me. I think that this is a pretty good, actually, just like a good expression of their bourbon and working well with a nice cask finish. It's got good layers of fruit to it. It kind of goes from like that initial bourbon profile, works right through all of the fruits. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay, there's like some cool leathery notes in here that kind of expand into like nice tannin, actually. And then it kind of dries off. And it's like a good kick of red fruit, wine, jamminess, strawberry right at the end. It's like, oh, okay, this kind of like flows pretty nicely. It's while the port wine is definitely there in volume, it's balanced as it goes through.
0: That's interesting. And that's good to know. I mean, at this point, I kind of assume that anyone skiing in Colorado has like a flask of elk like on their person. Yeah, I think it's,
1: I'm pretty sure it's state law.
0: Okay. I mean... Uh, that that's as good a setup as i've ever seen it reminds me i don't mean to i'm not usually a social media guy but i feel like i've referenced it a couple times here i saw the most interesting instagram reel and it was a guy who brought his own oysters to shuck on the ski lift in colorado
1: oh damn
0: and and like down to like the pinch of salt and the tabasco and everything but all i could think of was like get this man some whiskey and now i clearly know if he was if he was smart enough to shuck his own oysters on the ski of in Colorado, that man definitely had some old elk in his jacket.
1: Oh yeah. He probably also got arrested for shucking his clam in the uh bus stop <laughs> station, too.
0: <laughs> that's uh that's a different Colorado delicacy, but I mean I have the double wheat in front of me, and I have to say that while I wasn't thrilled with the four-grain, this double wheat at 53.55% EBV, this is a masterpiece. Like this Let, yeah, is let's a talk about weeded it. wonder. Holy crap. Um, it's it's just where there's an oak. And a touch of tobacco mm. like all day long. It's so sweet. It reminds me the first time that I had Weller 107, and I was like, ooh, like that's sweet on the nose. Like I like it. But this is that experience and way better. Um, this is a whiskey that I could probably drink no matter, no matter day, mood, anything. And it's not so strong that it's gonna rip your head off. Like 54% ABV, totally approachable pretty much any day.
1: Yeah. 108 proof is really right. Like I feel like. What like I? I don't remember the exact numbers we just listed a second ago because I was like mostly looking at and thinking about the podcast. But <laughs> anything like one hundred five to like one eleven ish proof. I feel like is usually even up to one fourteen, depending on what it is. But like one hundred five to one eleven, I kind of feel like is that sweet spot where if I have never had the product before and I give it a try, and it's right in that sweet spot and it doesn't come out and like rip your lips off, you're like, oh holy shit, this is nice what is this
0: i'm comfortable calling it uh, as the universal sweet spot i mean uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy gave us the you know the universal number 42 i think that 105 to 110 proof can be the universal sweet spot on proof here this is 107.1 i'm super yeah 107.1 if for someone with a math degree i'm pretty bad at math tonight but well really nice two. Yet. Two blends of weeded mash bill. Love this. It is just pure caramel and honey. There's a little bit of praline, a little bit of oak, a little bit of tannin, a little bit of tobacco. Uh, I mean, as someone who's not known for liking weeded bourbon from the Buffalo Trace family, but someone who just absolutely goes nuts for wheat whiskey, uh, this is is going in my ski jacket all day long.
1: Okay, I like that that one's doing it for you. Uh, I kind of wish that I could... uh, swap some of the cognac finish for some of that just so we could each try some of both of what's going on here. Uh, I can't swap you the podcast because I'm definitely going to finish that.
0: Okay, I kind of wondered. <laughs>
1: um, I I guess uh, I'm going to tackle some of the rum cask rye. So this is of the samples that I've got here, the lowest proof. This is a one-on-one proof. So this should be something that uh, is maybe a, a touch on the lighter side. The others here tonight were like 108 and 109 proof. So this will be uh the the little brother, I guess, so to speak, in terms of proof. But
0: yeah, like that that younger guy, of the what is it? Goldilocks and the three Goldilocks and the three elk, for sure. Okay. Um, it, I've heard Goldilocks really good things of, No, I I I think we've already had an episode in the past where we had like Goldie J. Um
1: it, oh man, we might have. Yeah. It sounds like something I would say
0: to you and our editor did such a good job with the first time that I'm like afraid to even bring it back. But, um, yeah, I've heard fair. really good things about the rum finished rye. Um, from other folks. I haven't tried it myself, but you know, uh, rye for me doesn't typically bother at lower proofs. I tend to like bourbon higher than rye. And I'm curious if you have the same experience, but you know, the rum on rye is a kind of bold combination.
1: It is. I think, I don't know if it was the first one I had. I'm trying to think back through the archives here. And without looking through my website or my notes, there's no way I'd be able to do it, I guess. But the Whistlepig Boss Hog 6, 7. The Lapu Lapu Specific. It was 8. Boss Hog 8. I finally got my numbers straight. Was it 8? Was the, yeah, it was 8.
0: No, you're right. Yep, yep, that was 8. It was
1: the Lapu Lapu Specific. Was Something that I had when I first heard about it, I thought this is kind of crazy. I don't know, like, have they finally gone too far? Which (laughs) I have subsequently wondered every year for like the last six years. Like, this is probably the year that they like, they fucked up. They they did something too weird. And it's going to be like, when Southern Comfort did like that Tabasco expression, like it's going to be that thing oh. that everybody's like, oh, you should get one of those. I'm that not going to buy dick- one, but you should get one of those. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, Dickel, which immediately made it way into like Bloody Marys across the country because it's the <sighs> only thing you can put it in.
1: I shudder deeply to think about that. <laughs> but anyway, that whistle pig expression like jumped out, like grabbed me by the eyeballs and was like, listen up, asshole, you like this. and since then anytime i'm like rum finished rye you say or actually like any rye that's like got a unique style finish i'm like oh just let me try it out real quick i want right. to i want to know what that's like because it could be the next thing that grabs me and makes me really excited so here i am diving into this one and i really like it. it's got piles of fruit very bright very effervescent like really kind of has a good presence to it and like you okay. said a rye doesn't need to have that 130 proof point to like really get its point across and this is i think proof right at one one because even at that proof point which is much lower than these bourbons it doesn't drink like it's not like i'm gonna have a sip of this be like ah that could be 90 proof
0: right and i'm I'm with you like i do really enjoy thomas handy which is a young rye that's usually like 130 proof but i have never once had thomas handy up and I've been like Oh, that's punchy and powerful, and that's that's definitely hot. Like, I love it, but God, it's hot. And I do find that a lot of those rides, especially if they have a good finish, like 100 proof is really all you need. And if they're really good, that means you can, like, enjoy a little bit more. Like, that's kind of the downfall right. of drinking Hazmat whiskey is if you have more than an ounce, like, you're probably in the danger zone already.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're talking about a headache when you wake up at 4 a.m. anyway.
0: Right. Like what fun is drinking amazing wine if you can only drink two ounces of it, you know, and yeah. that's like a gross oversimplification. But like if you're drinking super high proof stuff all the time, you really shouldn't be having that much of it. And a, a good, strong, 100 proof rye, that means you get a pour or two, and you're not, you're not paying for your sins or, you know, kind of putting your liver on the table.
1: Yeah. That's a good point to make too. I most certainly, especially like I try to not drink much whiskey during the week. I mean, we're, we are going to be recording during the week and doing some reviews here and there. It's like, analysis on a review is not a big deal. But like, if I'm going to sit down like on a Saturday or something and really be like, okay, I w- was really excited by these three things. If they're all like 125 plus proof, I'm probably putting one or two of them back and going to grab an Eagle Rare or a Wild Turkey, like something that's going to be able to balance that out and bring my overall proof point down to like 110. Because right. if I'm if I'm gonna knock back three or four ounces of whiskey, like I either have to stretch that over six hours or you know, like risk putting my snowblower through the edge of my hockey rink and ripping my arm off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Papa's making hash browns in the morning. And that's the most interesting thing. Like, I love to see people flighting whiskey. Um, but I think it's always interesting. Every now and then someone will send me a picture and be like, oh man, I lined up ten like epic rise and they're all north of 110 proof and i'm like are you gonna be okay tomorrow because even now like i hate i hate to like pull the age card but like i cannot drink like i used to and i am not old but every year i notice that extra pour a little bit more to the point where i'm like i'd rather just i'd rather go to bed
1: yeah oh yeah i need to do
0: tomorrow and if i wake up feeling like death um i'll know it was my fault first off because i am the one who did it but yeah, I, I come to appreciate a good, full flavored, full bodied rye and bourbon and whiskey and scotch and all that stuff more and more every year where my body can just like take it less.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you, man. Like, I'm at the point now where if I intentionally or, well, I guess I'm unintentionally or intentionally cross that line of like, oh, I didn't need to have that last whiskey or the last two or three whiskeys. I know that I'm going to be waking up at 2 a.m. and I'm going to have a headache. And I'm not going to get much sleep after that. So like I sleep for shit if I drink too much. So I have to like kind of balance that with like, what is it that I have to do in the morning besides deal with like my young kids and wild ass dog? Like that's obviously going to be super fun to do being all banged up and hung out, but it does not really improve from there. Usually if you didn't get any sleep. So taking care of Your business the right way can really pay off in dividends. And a lower proof rye like this could be helpful in that because I think this actually packs a ton of flavor. It's got a really good balance between spice and fruit. And while it does it, I mean this thing brings every bit of one on one proof. It does not drink below proof, but I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just you know that there's some good kick to this. And a lot of that is that rye spice that you were mentioning earlier. Well, hey,
0: I mean, it wouldn't be the podcast if there wasn't some unsolicited PSA in the middle, but um, hundred proof. It, a lot of people in recent years, I've I've caught like being like, oh, it's low proof. It's a hundred proof, and I'm like, right. well, not actually. You know, we kind of joke when you hear it on a country song, they're like kicking up strong eighty proof, and you're like, well, it's the legal right. minimum. You know, don't go too hard, cowboy. But um, if it's full flavored at hundred proof, like that is awesome.
1: Yeah, this is not missing anything at one on one here. I don't feel like this is like. There's been things before too where it comes through at. Even like just over 100, like maybe even up to like 105, 106, which is usually, in my opinion, a great spot to be. But if that original proof was so screaming high that they had to right, add yeah. a ton of water to bring it to there, maybe that's not the best spot for it. Whereas other things like, say, Wilderness Trail Rye, I've had single barrels of that that are like barrel proof at 103. Oh, and man, they're, they're fucking so delicious. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: I, so I, I personally think, was thinking of a uh, pursuit United at 54% and right. you know, you want to wait all day. Oh, only 108 and you drink, you're like, okay, this is so much going for it. And it's, you know, I'm air quoting here for our, uh, you know, audio only listeners, but like, yeah, 108 proof is not nothing. That's plenty of proof. That's plenty of flavor. That's got everything you want.
1: Yeah. As long as it doesn't feel gutless, it doesn't feel like there's something taken away. It doesn't come out thin. I don't care what the proof actually is. and, and I do say that, like, as a whiskey enthusiast, I'm going to see the press release come up. Like, huh, that's where that they went with whatever 101 proof. But if it is really good at 101 proof, then who the fuck cares? Because what I want is good whiskey more than I want. Like, I'm not a numbers guy anyway. I'd probably get the fucking proof wrong if I had to try to remember what it was. <laughs> so, I mean, unless it's Wild Turkey 101, the odds are good. I don't fucking know. So yeah, I just was going to say. Good.
0: There's a reason that everyone's like kind of horny for like Wild Turkey 101, and it's the fact that like it's kind of the perfect proof point. Like it's strong when you want it to be, but not too strong when you're trying to do something useful for it. And I feel like this has been a long campaign to bring down ABVs, and that's certainly not what I'm asking. But yeah, don't sneeze at something because it's a hundred proof. Like that is plenty of flavor.
1: Yeah, don't be an ass.
0: And it reminds me. I had Hague Club, which is, I forget which famous person's blended scotch whiskey. And that is the hottest goddamn whiskey I've ever drank. And it's only 40% ABV. Like there is a flip side of this coin. If your whiskey drinks like molten fire and just like grainy terribleness and you're at the legal minimum, uh, that's a problem. But if you drink smooth and rich and 50% ABV, like that to me is a feature. Like that is not a bug.
1: Oh yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I feel like this uh, Old Oak does that for sure. I think actually of all of these, the rye is probably going to be my favorite, and that's I think just because I'm such a rye nerd. Anyway, like if you could do rye, do it nice, and then even give it a nice little finish too, you're going to get my vote. And I do like this; it's got a lot of good layers of fruit. It's very bright, brings a ton of good character to it, and then it rounds out with a really good rye spice kick on the end. So like overall, that uh, that's money. I'm glad that I'm glad that old something's over for us to try out, but I'm even more glad that that one just came in today. The others had come in prior to and i was oh, like nice. oh, that might be good timing for tonight's episode so well i'll just bring it down we'll check it out and i'm Hashtag glad that it worked
0: convenient out convenient airmail yeah that's awesome yeah uh, yeah overall i gotta say i you know four grain wasn't for me double wheat super awesome love to hear about those finishes from your side overall really cool operation they are pricey so if you are counting your pennies definitely give this one a listen I'm not surprised you like the rye because you are a rye guy. We talked about Pride of Anderson True. County, which is the wild turkey rye uh, for Rare Bird 101 last week. If you haven't hit that episode, go ahead and check it out. But you were you were a rye guy for a full hour on that one. So I guess at the end, I was I was like, oh, I'm surprised that John liked that over the port. But thinking about that, not so much.
1: Yeah, uh, it is on brand for me.
0: <laughs> well, it's always good to stay on brand. I think. I think that sums up our thoughts here. We've we've hit just about everything in a herd of elk. Do you have anything else, John?
1: Yeah, we didn't really have any news to cover this week's uh, episode here. And I'm actually not even sure what we're going to be tasting in the most upcoming stuff here. So I guess this is probably a pretty good spot to wrap here. We got to share a lot of different old elk stuff. It's cool when we have a flight of stuff to go through that we could share with the listeners and like really kind of touch on like a lot of crazy... It's not like we had four different bourbons to try i mean these are all yeah we got a little bit all of over though. the map here yeah so th- i i don't know i feel like this is pretty fun i i think we've done a great job hunting down all of these elk
0: yeah i would say uh, we took down the herd with pride uh thank you again to old elk for sending each of these samples It it is really cool and we appreciate the opportunity it, it's fun to see you know this is about a widest spread from a brand as we've seen there's some hits there's some misses. And that's kind of what it's all about. Um, if you're looking for more from John, you can catch him at bourbonfindercom uh, because he is the bourbon finder. Whether you're looking for Bland's or something else, he may or may not be able to help you. Uh, God save his inbox. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> we laugh. John gets the most ridiculous emails. Do not get in a fight for most ridiculous inbox with John. And as always, guys, I am Take from Whiskey Raiders. We are bringing you coverage news articles and all the tastings all this cool stuff will be up on the website soon i cannot stress enough if you missed the crazy wild turkey episode last week you're going to want to tune in i guarantee we have a whiskey if you haven't heard about it yet you will hear about it soon and if you hear about it soon it is already too late so check out that episode it's it's a really cool one and we've got some cool stuff uh coming up so go ahead and share the pod with a friend if you have comments if you've tried any of these let us know uh, please let us know in the comments and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. So I think, without uh, any further ado, I'm going to go back to the double wheat, start planning for next week where I'll be on the road, and let's uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what whiskey takes us next. What do you say?
1: I'm going to put a straw in this bottle of rye and call it a night.
0: All right. Well, I'm off with my double wheat, guys. It has been another episode of the Whiskey Raiders Podcast, and we will catch you in the next one. Cheers.
1: Cheers.